From Washington, this is CQ on Congress, the nonpartisan source for in-depth analysis of Capitol Hill's policy debates. I am Sean Zeller. The reality of a lot of this is that when you're building something like Facebook that is unprecedented in the world, there are going to be things that you messed up. Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg will testify before two Senate committees on April 10th and then one in the House on the 11th about the unauthorized leak of user data to a consulting firm working for Donald Trump's campaign in 2016. The Trump campaign used the data to target advertising to sympathetic Facebook users. This abuse has again raised the question as to whether Congress should regulate the social networks that are now used by a majority of Americans. My guests today are Ali Baum, a policy counsel at the consumer advocacy group Public Knowledge, and Gopal Ratnam, the CQ cybersecurity reporter. Welcome, both of you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Gopal. Um, one of our colleagues this week wrote in CQ magazine that Mark Zuckerberg's appearance before Congress is the most significant testimony of a CEO since J.P. Morgan testified in 1912 about antitrust on Wall Street. Um, do you buy that? Is there, is there a case to be made that this is of that significance? It probably is. I mean, it remains to be seen whether this uh, hearing actually leads to legislation uh, of the same magnitude that happened back then. But in terms of just the sheer theater, I think uh, Mark Zuckerberg, um, one of the richest men in the world, uh, the literally the face of Facebook, so to speak, appearing before Congress will be a significant moment um, just because of all that it connotes. Right. And the, and the backdrop here, of course, is that we know that Facebook was used by the Russian government to rile up Trump supporters during the 2016 campaign. Um, so has this led to any shift in Congress and Congress's thinking about regulation of social networks? I think we have to step back here and see that the Russian influence, uh, which was addressed in part by uh, the legal counsel for Facebook, Google, and Twitter last year, was just kind of like the first step. And in the last sort of 18 to 24 months, we've seen um, more and more um, ways in which the uh, social network and online uh, media has been used, uh, not just by the Russian government, but by um, uh, the, the Trump campaign people. And I think in some ways, the, uh, the buildup to um, Zuckerberg appearing, it's one of the reasons why it's become so important, because it's been building up for so long. There was an opportunity for him to perhaps uh, lay it all out and say, this is what happened, and here's the role we played uh, back when this news broke about uh, Russia and its use of Facebook last year. But then they tried to beat it back, and then all of this emerged only when a whistleblower started speaking up, uh, I'm talking about Chris Wiley, and started talking about how the data from Facebook you know, made its way to Cambridge Analytica. We're able to use data to identify that there was very large quantities of persuadable voters there that could be influenced to vote for the Trump campaign. Okay, so, but to this point, the social networks have not been regulated. There is, Congress has not done much to, it's been a free space. That is true. So there are some legislation, there's one legislation in particular that's been backed by uh, a dozen Democrats and just one Republican. This is called Honest Ads, and um, Senator John McCain being the only Republican on that. And they are proposing that advertising on social media and online be treated on par with 
advertising on other media. And that seems to get only at one aspect of this. It wouldn't get to the larger question raised by the Cambridge Analytica data breach, which is not really advertising. So it remains to be seen whether this uh, hearing with uh, sets of hearing with um, uh, Zuckerberg leads to a greater realization of the scope of the problem members of Congress face. Okay, Ali Baum, you wrote a piece in response to the the data leak at Facebook saying that Congress should step in here. And and what did you say that it should do? So we believe that this is the perfect time for comprehensive privacy legislation. And the reason for that is today, this week, it's Facebook and Cambridge Analytica. But Facebook and Facebook is not the only entity collecting massive amounts of data about us. And having it exposed in ways that are not exactly authorized, whether that's Cambridge Analytica, whether that's a data breach. So we're calling for comprehensive privacy legislation that would address both circumstances and would also address some of the some of the circumstances like Grindr, where information was shared, probably in a way that was completely authorized, but in a way that most of us find pretty icky and wouldn't have agreed to if we had known about it. And so the three parts of our proposal are robust notice and consent requirements. And so when I say robust, I don't mean the 40-page privacy policy that nobody reads and it's buried in the fine print somewhere that you know they're sharing your data or may share your data, but actual notice in a way that users can see what's happening, understand it, and decide whether it's something they want to participate in. And then meaningful consent and consent that is granular enough to say, you know, for example, okay, you can share my data with researchers or you can use it for your own research and development, but don't share it with advertisers. Or you can share it with advertisers, but not researchers. Or you can keep it for this long. Or And, and I think Facebook or any of the sites at that point should be able to say, well, look, if you don't share this data, the site's actually not going to function. And so you can't participate. But that consumers should have the ability to decide what's being done with their data and how it's being used and stored and that they should understand it. The second is data security. So these entities are custodians of our personal information. They should treat it with the utmost care and comply with the highest security standards. Uh, Entities should also consider data minimization, only keeping the data that they need for the purposes of their social network or you know, fiscal transaction if there's something like Equifax, um, and also thinking about privacy by design and by default. Our third piece is making sure there's meaningful redress when there's a data breach. So right now, forced arbitration clauses are buried in the, you know, 40-page privacy policy that you didn't read that channel consumers out of court when there's been a data breach and into a tribunal that is frequently, first of all, unfair to consumers, second of all, sets no legal precedent, and third of all, prohibits consumers from coming together. And given that the damages that an individual consumer might actually win, if you have to proceed by yourself, it's just going to be cost prohibitive to proceed. And so therefore, most consumers are never made whole if our data is breached. And then the, th the last piece of meaningful redress is liquidated damages, because it is very difficult to quantify exactly what the harm is. So we know if our credit card information was stolen and or our identity was stolen and someone bought something with our account, what that damage is. How do you put a number on having your privacy preferences ignored or possibly having your personal information used to manipulate your opinions in an election. That's really hard. So Congress has a tool called liquidated damages that it uses in other privacy contexts where 
it says, okay, for each privacy violation, it is this amount of damages. And so there's a presumed injury and a presumed amount of damages. And so consumers can actually get some redress that goes to them. Right. So Facebook right now and, and other social networks have privacy policies. You can go in and tinker with them and share things uh, in different ways um, with the public or just with your, your friends and followers. So um, as far as holding Facebook to account for abiding by its own policies, what's in place right now? I mean, the Federal Trade Commission can bring uh, litigation or uh, impose fines, right? So right now we're in a really interesting posture with Facebook. So the way the Federal Trade Commission's authority works is if there is an unfair or deceptive practice, the Federal Trade Commission can step in. It can't at that point fine an entity. Instead, the entity and Facebook will enter into a consent decree, and if the entity then violates the consent decree, then the FTC can impose damages. It's only happened once before, and that was with Google. Facebook has already gone through steps one and two. So they have a consent decree with the FTC. The FTC is now stepping back and investigating whether Facebook has, in fact, complied with this consent decree. Okay, so you also mentioned the broader issue of data breaches. And this, of course, goes well beyond the social networks. There have been myriad companies that have acknowledged... uh, allowing hackers to, or not, having hackers get into their systems and personal data being revealed. And so there are laws at the state level dealing with it. And my understanding is that Congress has really struggled to pass a federal law because on the one hand, there are those who say, we really need one, one set of rules, one floor, and others who say, well, if the federal law is less onerous than state laws, then it's not really protecting consumers in those states that have have tough laws right now. So talk about that problem. I mean, why should Congress pass a law here if the states are, are active? Well, so Congress should pass a law in order to protect people nationwide. But you've hit the nail on that head. That law needs to be a floor, not a ceiling. So if Congress passes a law that is not as strong as, say, Massachusetts law, which is frankly likely, just given the politics in both places, Massachusetts should still be able to protect its consumers at that higher level. But for states that don't currently have a law, providing that federal floor would give American many Americans across the country protections that they don't currently have and that they deserve. Okay. Go, Paul. So we should also note a couple of things. Like Ali said, so there is an investigation going on by FTC into practices by Facebook as it relates to the Cambridge Analytica. But the, from people that I've talked to, the 2012 consent decree that Facebook had entered into with FTC, Facebook was supposed to do a biennial every two-year audit of its privacy practices, of its data protection, and provide that to FTC. And this audit was supposed to be done by a third party. We don't know if that, how well that audit was done, who did that. And in fact, there's been some uh, confusion about whether it's an audit or an assessment. So that it also speaks to the fact that FTC's powers to enforce consent decree has been significantly weakened in the last couple of decades. And right now, FTC itself is in the process of having a whole new slate of commissioners um, taking office in the next uh, probably couple of months 
as this investigation goes on. And the second thing we should note also, in addition to the, the differences in the state versus the uh, absence of a federal legislation, there's global privacy regulations that are coming into force um, in the case of Europe with um, European Union's regulations starting next month, uh, where Facebook has committed to provide, uh, you know, protecting the privacy and safeguarding data of Europeans at a much higher standard than what 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 it what it can or needs to do in the case of the United States. So it's not as if Facebook or Google or any of these companies cannot step up to a higher uh, level of uh, protections because they are doing it in the case right. of other. Uh, there was an important case in Europe that, that gave people the right to be forgotten. Right, that exactly. they can ask Facebook to remove all their data. Um, and it has to comply. But to Ali's point, I mean, like she said, instead of a 40-page, minute, small print uh, legal agreement between you and Facebook, the GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulations in the European Union, are saying, look, make this into plain, simple English that I, as a user of any online uh, network or social media, can understand what you're exactly doing with my data. And I can decide if I want to participate or not participate. And so that make that very clear. So I think those kinds of... Uh, approaches are potentially likely on this side of the Atlantic as well. Back to you, Ali. Uh, in Europe, one of the issues is that they allow uh, consumer. They require that consumers have to opt in when Facebook or Google or other online companies you they use your data. That's not the case here in the United States, and there's been a long debate about that. And sort of the implicit bargain between the consumer and these companies is that we as consumers are giving them our data, but we're getting a lot of value in return. Um, you know, we're getting the access to the social network on Facebook. On Google, we're getting their incredible um, search functions and other apps that they make available to the public for free. And it's a pretty good deal, a lot of people would say, for consumers. So do we risk messing with that if we add regulation? Yes, but. So I think that sort of the concerns that oh, if people have to opt in or in order to receive marketing or, you know, have their data processed for research or whatever, then it's going to kill the social networks are is, is very overblown. So, you know, I've talked to my friends who like targeted advertising. Yeah, there'll be some of us and I'll be among them who say targeted advertising is creepy. I don't want it. But there will be lots of folks who say, actually, targeted advertising is useful. It, you know, cuts down my search time looking for products I need. I'm going to opt into that. I also think, I mean, we'll see. There's going to be a great experiment starting next month in Europe. But it would be surprising to me if the companies pull out of Europe. I think much more likely they're going to find ways to be profitable in Europe despite having to offer people meaningful consent. And I see no reason why they can't do that here. Now, I bought something off a European website just two weeks ago, and I noticed that the difference in what they do is they have, just like you said, an opt-in. So at the bottom of the page where you actually click buy, they have a little uh, statement that says, your data will be used in the following fashion. And if you agree, please click. And it also says when you, I just clicked on it to just see, you know, what does it say about consent and privacy? And it says, if at some point in time, you decide that you do not want your data to be used by us, click on this link and it'll take you there and you can say, I don't want all my data to be used and we will delete all of that from our servers. Okay. So I think that is potentially the model we're talking about in terms of an opt-in. And Let's go back to Congress, Gopal. 
Mark Zuckerberg, he's going to be up on the Hill. Are we expecting this to be contentious? What Do we have any idea of what he's going to say, what the questioning is going to be like? I, I heard actually from a source at Facebook uh, that there's obviously a lot of preparation because this is not something Facebook has done before in terms of this kind of congressional engagement. I mean, if you compare that with, let's say, any other industry whose executives show up in front of Congress quite often. Um, so there's a lot of preparation obviously going on in terms of how to spin this. And the second thing is, we also have to note, like Roll Call did, the Wealth of Congress uh, story, there are like a handful of members of Congress who have huge holdings in Facebook, and some of them happen to be on these committees that will, um, you know, question uh, Zuckerberg. The hearings next week are more likely to be theater, and then the question is, in terms of actual legislation, what comes next is to be something that needs to be seen. And I would expect that there would be other tech executives who are called before Congress to hear their views before any legislation takes shape. Do you expect that Facebook will be, that Mark Zuckerberg will be apologetic? I, I think there will be. He already has been apologetic on a couple of big uh, news shows. I mean, he did that on CNN because we have to step back and see that when first stories emerged um, soon after the election, that Facebook may have been a key player in this election, he, he dismissed that as a pretty crazy idea. And then when slowly st stories started emerging that, in fact, there were fake accounts and advertising on Facebook, they said initially, oh, there was just a few. And then it became a few thousand. And then the same pattern we are seeing now in the case of Cambridge Analytica. And the first instance, in fact, the New York Times story, which broke uh, this, this whole news, they, when they were talking to Facebook saying, we are hearing this, Facebook was dismissive. And it's only when the New York Times story was about to run just literally an hour or two before that, Facebook came out and said, yes, we acknowledge this is what happened. And in the first tranche of it, they said, well, we only lost 50 million users. And just yesterday or two days ago, they said, well, it's actually 87 million. And then they also added another bit of um, element to it by saying, if you looked at the whole of face Facebook and how it operates, malware, bad actors, hackers could actually have taken the information of the entire lot of 2 billion something Facebook users because that's how the search engine was set up on Facebook. So I think it's been a series of steps of how Facebook comes to accept the extent to which it might have lost uh, its users' data. Well, that sounds pretty awful, but nonetheless, you had Sheryl Sandberg, uh, the top deputy at Facebook. We had legal assurances from them that they deleted. What we didn't do was the next step of an audit, and we're trying to do that now. And it wasn't just a, a flat apology, right? No, in fact, she is trying to make the case now that somehow it was the Facebook as a company was very trustworthy. It was trusting. It was too trusting. And they should have been a bit more cautious. But I think a lot of people are questioning that. That they uh, got conned by Cambridge Analytica and should have done an audit, but they believe that Cambridge Analytica had deleted this data. Exactly. Allie? Well, so I think that the points you're making now uh, sort of tell me that I think Congress may be a little more aggressive or some members of Congress may be a little more aggressive than perhaps you're giving them credit for. So we've seen Sheryl Sandberg and Mike Zucker Mark Zuckerberg on the news stories, you know, sort of saying, oh, we should think about that. Yeah, yeah, we're looking into that. And I don't think those answers are going to fly with Congress because they should have looked into this quite some time ago. They've known about Cambridge Analytica since 2015. And I just think that given the sort of cascade of 
bad practices, frankly, that Facebook has been implicated in recently, I think a number of members of Congress are done and really do want to uh, get some answers. And if they start hearing, oh, yeah, we should think about that, I, I don't think that members are going to take kindly to that response. If you were advising a senator or representative, what would you have them ask, Allie? Well, so I would like to understand more of what happened, right? I want to understand friend permission, because it wasn't just Cambridge Analytica that got information through this researcher because of friend permission. Every that it wasn't just people who took this quiz that they were using to extract data. It was friends of the people who took the quiz. Right. And that was the case for any app at that time. That was their policy. So if you authorized an app and you and I were friends on Facebook, you're authorizing the app would give that app my information, regardless of what my privacy settings were. How many apps got information this way? Does Facebook know what happened to that information? Do people have any idea that that's what was happening with friend permission? I'd like to know things like what entities besides researchers can access data? Do marketers have direct access to Facebook data? What new under Facebook's new policies, what personal information can an app developer now access? I hope that Congress will think more broadly than what happened in Facebook Cambridge Analytica and lay the groundwork for legislation. All right. Thank you, Allie, for coming on our show. Thank you, Go Paul. Thank you. I am Sean Zeller. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on NPR One. And please rate us on iTunes. For more on this and other stories, visit RollCall.com or find us on Twitter at CQNow or at RollCall.